My main thoughts on OU's dominating win over Florida in the Cotton Bowl may be a little against the grain, and the last thing I want to do is rain on everyone's happy mood, so let's start with this. Oklahoma beat the ever-living crap out of Florida on Wednesday night. Spencer Rattler was mostly unbelievable. The offensive line played their best game of the season against FBS competition. Ramondre Stevenson was a dude on every touch, and we even got some massive production out of guys that had largely been written off as the season progressed. Everyone in the OU locker room should savor every bit of that victory. This was a season that was defined by hardship, and the way this team responded after starting the season 1-2 and two should be commended and celebrated by the fan base. This is a group of special young men, and they are going to have an opportunity to do some great things going forward. I can't wait to start in on the 2021 season as soon as possible. Having that been said, the Cotton Bowl was awful. It was a truly terrible college football game, and it's likely going to be a prominent data point when the bowl system is ultimately scrapped in favor of a larger playoff system. Florida is a disgrace. Kyle Pitts is a future top 10 pick, and I don't really fault him for making the decision he made, but what's the excuse for the other seven or eight guys? Not a single one of those dudes is a future first round pick. What on earth has any of those guys done in the realm of college football that makes them think Oklahoma is not an opponent worth getting up for? Filling in for me earlier this week on this podcast, Brady Trantham commented that Florida's opt-outs were bordering on being disrespectful of Oklahoma and their program. I'll go all the way for Brady. Florida clearly did not respect Oklahoma as a program, and they've shown themselves to be massive clowns. Dan Mullen has the gall to show up with an ill-prepared team, get down by 42 points, and then claim that Florida's season actually ended 11 days ago in the SEC championship game. What a freaking clown. What on earth has Florida done in the last decade to feel that level of entitlement other than get their faces pounded in regularly by Alabama? What a joke of a program. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. All right, here we are a day after Oklahoma uh, took care of business in the Cotton Bowl against Florida on Wednesday night. We have Grant back in the fold on the podcast. Thanks again to Brady Trantham for filling in for Grant uh, a couple of days ago when uh, Grant was out uh, roaming the countryside or, or something. I'll probably explain what he was doing in, in better detail here. But um, this is going to be one of those podcasts, again, very similar to one I think we had a couple weeks ago um, after the Big 12 title game. Just just envision this as the game essentially just ended. I have not rewatched the game. Obviously, Grant and I watched the game on, on Wednesday, but this is going to be a show where we just kind of fire from the hip and we use your three-word reviews, of which we got plenty of them after that game, to help guide us along on this journey as we uh, finally end a football season here on West of Everest with a win to talk about going into the next season. So with that, Grant, welcome back to the podcast. How was your trip to uh, wherever you were? Wherever you were? No, we were just uh, we were in Colorado. So uh, my wife and I, we, we like Colorado a lot. We try to get there as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, we were just kind of spending the last couple of days of the year there. Uh, it snowed a lot, so we couldn't really do much. Uh, we were kind of up in the mountains. Uh, so in, in, in a small little mountain town, it was pretty fun uh, with all the snow and everything. But no, I'd really like to uh, thank Brady for filling in. That was, that was, it was excellent. I, I listened to uh, the podcast in the morning uh, yesterday on, on a drive, and it really got me ready for the game. I was pumped up. And so uh, I, I thought you guys did a really good job, and I just yeah I want to thank Brady again for filling in. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and it worked out really well because, you know, we had kicked around or I kicked around the idea of, of doing one more before the game because I wanted to maybe watch a little bit more Florida. And I did. I watched only a couple of games. But w- what really uh, was good about, you know, Brady and I doing that is that all the all the news that broke on Monday and then Tuesday with all the opt outs. And so obviously when you and I last talked about it, it was just Kyle Pitts out of the game. And then by the time Brady and I talked about it, it was Kyle Pitts plus all the other pass catchers. And then by the time we got uh, a couple hours before kickoff, it was the offensive guys plus uh, Marco Wilson, who's who's already out. But then even more defensive starters who who are out of the game. So we'll uh, obviously jump into all of that stuff. But first, before we get into anything, I will uh, commend you, Grant, because your uh, your thoughts that I passed along during the last podcast about the game were all essentially correct. Oklahoma didn't have any troubles for the most part with Florida and Florida's offense losing all of those offensive weapons was crippling and so how do you feel about essentially nailing the outcome of that game I mean I, I it's it's fine I guess but as you watch the game it's it's not wasn't a surprise as it unfolded Florida didn't want to be there it was and you kind of you, you kind of heard it in my opening take but I like I I kind of I come away from that game with kind of, kind of a bad taste in my mouth like obviously, I'm happy that that OU scored a ton of points. They broke a lot of records in bowl games and stuff like that. And you know what? Florida deserved to get their teeth kicked in like that. They really did. And um, you know, I just I, I did not think that was an uh, an aesthetically pleasing game at all. Um, for someone like me who is like I'm I'm quasi religious about college football, and it just it really does not sit well with me uh, how Florida's how kind of just their disposition was going into that game. And I know there was only that one guy who kind of had like the one kind of viral sound bite and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like clearly if you listen to my opening take, those opt outs did not sit well with me at all. Um, I, I just, I, I took that as a giant F you to OU's program um, because those guys didn't care. They didn't care to play OU. And a, a thing that I said before we got on this podcast was that Florida did not win a single thing this year at all. Not one. And they came into this game entitled like they did. So I, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I just, I don't understand how guys who can compete, who haven't won a thing, who aren't going to be multimillionaires drafted in the top 10 or the first round, how on earth, uh, what have they done in college football to suggest that they can sit out a game against Oklahoma? I, I just, I think it's silly. I think it's stupid. Yeah, to your point, looking at Florida's schedule, of course, early on the year, they lost at Texas A&M, close game there, and then they went on a winning streak. Their best win of the season came by two touchdowns over Georgia, back when Georgia was number five in the country, and Stetson Bennett was the quarterback. They hadn't moved on over to, uh, I always forget the the former USC guy that's there now. Who's the Georgia quarterback that used to be at USC that they have playing for him now? Uh, uh, JT Daniels. JT Daniels, okay, so it was before Daniels took over as the starter for Georgia and then after that it was it was Arkansas it was Vanderbilt it was Kentucky it was a uh, a closer than we thought probably at Tennessee and then three straight losses to end the season one of which the first one against an LSU team who who had just uh, given themselves a one-year postseason ban people were making fun of LSU and Florida was favored by three touchdowns at home and they lost to LSU and then they lost to, to Alabama and then they were embarrassed against Oklahoma so I think what your point about how Florida didn't really win anything this year is valid it, it, it's a valid point uh, but I do not take college football as seriously as you do so I uh, it, it didn't it didn't bother me the same way it bothered you to me all of the opt-outs and stuff like that 
sure, it's it's disrespectful. I guess you could look at it that way towards Oklahoma. Uh, but I'm happy that the players privately they probably might have felt some something similar to that but they came out and didn't care and they beat the crap out of them and that's what they were supposed to do if I was a player I'd have thought the same way it's like okay fine you guys don't want to play this game that's cool we do and we're going to beat the crap out of you and you're going to be embarrassed and we're gonna have fun and it sucks that you guys don't care because you don't get to play many football games uh so we're gonna have a great time you guys aren't and all right cool that was fun so it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all really um I I, I'm happy that the only way it would have bothered me is if Oklahoma didn't take it as seriously as obviously the Sooners took it in the game and if Oklahoma would not have taken care of business the way Oklahoma ended up taking care of business and so the Sooners passed passed the test as far as I'm concerned there was about a a quarter-ish of time in the game where I was annoyed, and I know the fan base was annoyed whenever they were letting Florida get close in that game, and the offense uh, had a couple turnovers, and uh, Florida was able to get within four points. But once Theo Weiss went for that that long, uh, that, that drag route play finally worked for the first time in, in weeks. Haven't seen that play work a, a whole lot this year, and it finally did. And, and the defense got off the field, and they got that 18-point lead by halftime. Uh, they, put their, they put their boot on Florida's throat and never let let off and that's exactly what we wanted to see from Oklahoma and so that told me that this team took the game seriously therefore and you heard a lot of talk about 2021 in the post-game press conferences they are taking 2021 seriously and they're thinking a lot of the same things that you and I and the fan base are thinking about what 2021 could be so I am feeling pretty darn good for the most part following that game as time goes by, as, as we get into the offseason and we have more time to reflect, maybe rewatch the game, because uh, there certainly are some, some, some bad things from that game, things to criticize as well. But I, for me, and you, feel free to do it on your end, but for me, I, I'm not going to do that today. Because, I, I, you know, again, this is the first time we've had a, uh, a final game podcast where Oklahoma has won a game since we've been doing this show. And so I want to kind of enjoy that and go over the three-word reviews and see what all of our listeners think as well. So... Uh, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I'm actually I'm curious to kind of gauge the tone of the three word reviews. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm 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 very glad that OU won by 35 points. I just like I I, I guess maybe I was watching a different game than everyone else. I, I just thought the crowd was dead. The game was just the the game was just kind of a disgrace. Like I you know I, I and and that's all on Florida. It's all on Florida. One one team took it seriously and the other didn't. And I, I just like it just as a competitor, as a guy who just, who loves to compete, that just really doesn't sit well with me. And, um, because like, because I, I I would, I would have loved to have a better gauge of where OU is right now. And I know it's, it's only been like 10 days since they played Iowa state. Um, but yeah, I I just, I, I really would have liked to see them, you know, go up against a, a, you know, Florida and their full squad because it was an important gauge. And and I just like it, it, it bugs me philosophically that Florida did not feel like they wanted to get their best win of the season. It, like what, what on earth have they done? Like are they're, they're satisfied with their year. Yeah, no, that's, I, I think your stance is, is very fair. I think it's a fair one. I, I, I would imagine there are some other OU fans and college football fans, probably more just general college football fans that are definitely on your side because I'm sure they wanted to sit down and, and even though it wasn't a playoff game, they probably wanted to watch a competitive, fun game, and, and it wasn't that. Uh, just from my perspective, though, I mean, yeah, if I'm on Florida's side, if I'm on the Florida fan base, I'm obviously not very happy, but uh, Oklahoma did a in everything and anything that they could have done in that game given this the situation and sure it would have been better to see this team play against a full 
a full-strength um, Florida team? Of course it would be. Yeah, you'd like to see that. But uh, this team is going to be different next season. It's not like this is going to be the same team that we see uh, to begin 2021. So even if they would have played a full Florida team, it's not like you know this team against Florida is going to be you know whatever nine months later. That's the team we're going to see uh, in, in, in game one. So I, 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 to me, that's why it doesn't really matter as much. And all I was looking for once all the guys opted out was what we talked about before on the podcast. What I talked about with Brady is is this team needs to show me that they actually care and they understand that they have been embarrassed and they have lost on a big stage to these types of teams before, and they actually want to go out there and do something about it. And they did. And I know that Florida didn't have a lot of their players, but it, it's still Florida. They still have backups. It's still the SEC. It's, it, I mean, they still had Kyle Trask playing. I mean, if Kyle Trask didn't play, I'd probably feel a little bit different today. But the fact that Kyle Trask, to me, and I know we, we talked about this off the air, we kind of disagree, but I, I think Kyle Trask was exposed a little bit in that game. I think his, his teammates hung him out to dry. To me, he looked like a guy that has thrown a lot of jump balls and, 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 and passes to a 6-6 first-round draft pick this year that maybe has bailed him out a couple of times, and he's thrown a lot of wide-open deep balls to Kadarius Toney and, and given him the, you know, the, the ball and, and space for him to get yards after the catch, and Copeland's a big body target as well. And without those players... He didn't really seem to do a whole lot. Uh, I know he had a couple of drops, so you can't, can't really blame him for some of those. But, I mean, the pick six. Um, by the way, he's thrown a lot of pick sixes this year, so that was, that's been a problem with him anyways. Uh, to me, he, he, I, I, I would be very mad at my teammates if I was him today, and I know that he just declared for the draft, so we'll see where he goes. But um, I, I still think he's a good player, but he, he, he took a hit to me and, and – uh, the fact that Oklahoma made him look the way he did, especially in the first quarter. And we can talk about this a little more. I, I think Oklahoma made it to where Dan Mullen, second quarter, early third quarter, kind of decided, like, yeah, I, the best chance we have of maybe getting back in this game whenever they were kind of in it was to go with their backup quarterback because they couldn't really do much with Kyle Trask. So I'm glad that he played. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily my takeaway from it. I, I got from watching it that they were planning on on going with Emory a lot, regardless of what happened in that game. I, I Florida treated that game like a spring game, like a practice. And that that's well, why Florida, I was kind of so offended. Had mixed, Florida had mixed in their backup. I mean, that's part of what they do. They, they mix them in for a play or two here and there on multiple series. So it's not like that was weird for him to come in. And once he started actually having more success early in that game than, than the Kyle Trask-led offense, I think that made Dan Mullen want to go with him more, which also is an indictment of Kyle Trask, that the backup was having a little bit more success in that second quarter, especially coming back into the game. Yeah, I thought the biggest, uh, if you really kind of want to go the negative route on Trask, I, I thought with him being like exposed, I thought what was exposed the most was his lack of, of like elite arm talent or strength. Um, did the ball, his ball really floats like a lot. It really floats. And like I, I think I, I think my you know comparison that I made last week on the podcast of Will Greer with just a little more touch I think is really apt. I, I think they're really similar players. <laughs> I I still don't see Will Greer at all there. I, I I don't see Will Greer a one bit when I watch Kyle Trask play. So that's really weird how we're just different than that. I mean I uh, just mainly because of his body type. He looks nothing like Will Greer on the field. Uh, he's he's much bigger and beefier than Will Greer uh, throwing, but. Sure. Uh, I mean, they're both they're both they're both, you know, they both play from the pocket. They both were dealing with with like not 
the most talented arm in the entire world. Like Will Greer didn't have a hose or anything, but he was fairly yeah. accurate. Uh, and I just I thought I thought those two like their arm talent was really similar. I just thought Trask was a little was you know had definitely better players around him and had a lot more touch on his deep ball. Okay. Uh, let's jump into the three word reviews to get this going. Uh, we got a ton of them over on Twitter and on Facebook. And for all of you who have liked the West of Evers Facebook page, I'm going to go ahead and go and start there. So thank you for liking the West of Evers Facebook page. And I haven't looked at these at all yet. See, these are all new to me and Grant. I don't know if Grant's looked at them as well. We'll start with Justin on the West of Evers Facebook page. Uh, handled their business. That run game, exclamation point. Uh, last game win. Multiple TOs again. Um, let's see. Building for 2021. I'm sure that's going to be a theme throughout these as well. And I'm not going to go over every single one of them, just kind of the ones that really jump out to me. Um, Major was RB2. Definitely going to have to talk about Marcus Major because you and I might have some crow to eat uh, in this podcast. And then uh, Justin Moore on Facebook. A couple of defensive ones that are more on the negative side. He says only one sack, question mark, and allowed over 500 yards, question mark. Uh, and I know it's not quite three words, but uh, he, he made 500 yards one word. So how about uh, we begin with uh, the run game, Grant? So I, last night after the game, I, I saw that Oklahoma had averaged 10.9 yards per rush, which in my head I was thinking, like, that's obviously really good. So I was like, all right, when was the last time Oklahoma what, – go? You know, when did they go over 10-plus yards per carry? Because, you know, I just kind of assumed that since Lincoln Riley's been here at Oklahoma since 2015, 16, 17, I was like, yeah, it's probably happened, you know, once or twice. So, like, I'm just curious – so I go back, start looking, and I go through all of the games where Lincoln Riley has been the head coach, and the most I'd seen yards per game or yards per attempt in a game was actually last year's opener against Houston. OU averaged 9.6 yards per carry against Houston. And so when I saw that they, they never got to 10 with Lincoln Riley, I thought, oh, wow, that, okay, so this is pretty good. I went to the Oklahoma record book, and I saw that the Oklahoma record for single game yards per attempt as a team came in 1988 at 10.6 yards per carry and so I thought oh my god did did they just break a school record and for about 12 hours they did but and today as we're recording this Thursday afternoon SID Mike Houck who uh, was able to check my work originally and said yep that's a school record he went back and looked and apparently their record book at OU has been wrong for all of these years because the record is actually 11.7 yards per carry in a game, and that happened in 1971 at Kansas State when Oklahoma was able to get 711 rushing yards on just 61 carries. So uh, there, there's a new record in the record book. It wasn't from last night. It was from, it's from 1971 because for, somehow we missed it for all, all these years. But it's still worth obviously mentioning that Oklahoma – had its second greatest rushing game, single game team effort in the history of the program under Lincoln Riley in this, uh, I don't even know what you want to call Lincoln Riley's office anymore, uh, the spread, air raid, run, with I don't even know what you call it anymore. To me, it's his own thing. Uh, that's pretty incredible, and TJ Pleasure wasn't even there. I mean, obviously, Ramondre had a great game, but it was, it was uh, McGowan and Major doing doing damage and, and not uh, not Mikey Henderson for some reason so you know what uh, maybe we're maybe we got way too far ahead of ourselves on Mikey Henderson Grant so I'll shut up now and let you talk about this 
I yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say other than it, I mean, it was it was clear who wanted it a lot more than I mean, Florida didn't want any of that smoke. They didn't want to do any of the hard stuff you have to do to shut down OU's ground game, because you know you know you have to be you have to play really unselfish, kind of dirty. Not like not like uh, not like unfair, dirty you know, stuff like that, but like stuff that's not going to get a lot of headlines in newspaper. In order to shut down that GT counter, you got to play a lot of team defense. Florida wasn't interested in doing that. They weren't interested in in, in in taking the preparation and learning how to stop that thing. They they just they just weren't. Um, and then that's and that's what you see. You give up almost eleven yards a carry, and you get guys like Marcus Major, who I mean, frankly, looked like crap against teams like Missouri State. You got him busting off fifty-yard runs against you because you're a joke of a program. <laughs> a little bit of a backhanded compliment to <laughs> to Marcus Major, but I, I mean, that was the best he's looked all season. There's no doubt about it. It was the best Seth McGowan's looked since Missouri State as well. Missouri State because he looked really good in that game. Yeah, no, uh, I, that, I that, all no. Major looks great. He he looked like a he looked like a different guy. In fact, he actually kind of looked like Rodney Anderson, actually. Um. Like low to the ground and right. Kinda, I mean, yeah, he, he kind of did. Yeah, I mean that touchdown run was a really nice run. I it mean, was. He, hit the, he was able to stay in bounds and he was. He got past the sideline. Yeah, I mean, that was a great exclamation point for that game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've already. Me. Yeah, and like I, I mean, I'll. If it gets to the point where I need to eat crow on major, I'll do it. Um, but I, I just like I'm not. This one, like obviously, he looked good. Had a great game. I'm, I'm glad that he was able to do that. He got his opportunity. Um, I, I just. This game was not a normal game. It really was not, um, and, and I it's it, it's tough for me to you know, it, it's tough for me to break this game this game down without that in the back of my mind. And that's fair. Uh, and you texted me last night uh, that Florida had can't can't stop the GT counter the 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 bread and butter play Oklahoma's been running since Lincoln Rally got there. That seemingly the good defenses in the Big Twelve they've seen it enough now where they they're figured able it out. to figure it out. Yeah, so going into this game, you know, obviously Florida's defense on paper wasn't as good as the other SEC defenses Oklahoma has seen in these playoff games prior, these big bowl games. So I was curious to see how Oklahoma would be able to do against, you know, a non-Big 12 defense, a non-good Big 12 defense like Iowa State and even like a Baylor who has Dave Aranda knows how to stop it. And even Oklahoma State who really tried to stop Ramondre Stevenson and for the most part they did in that game Ramondre didn't run it that well against Oklahoma State he was okay but it wasn't obviously anything like against Florida so it was kind of nice to see okay we got this team that obviously doesn't care as much as they normally would the defense already isn't that great and they're unfamiliar with Oklahoma's offense oh look Lincoln Riley's offense with all these players yeah it still works really really well and not surprisingly, after the game, he said that's the best off, uh, you know, the best offensive game we played all year, minus the fumbles. And it was the best the running backs have played this year. And he said it was the best game the offensive line has played this year, which uh, it's, it's hard to argue that considering the numbers. So I just I, that was a good observation by you, I thought, last night when you talked texted me about the GT counter. How often this season on that play in the Big 12 did you actually see the tackle turning the corner? Never. Like ever. Um, and it happened yeah. basically virtually every single time they ran it in this game. And it was, I mean, it's not, yeah, just look at the numbers. I mean, it, it seemed like Stevenson was busting off at least 10 or 15 yards every time he touched the ball. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I actually did. I, I saw enough in that game, Lee, uh, to definitely think that, let's say, let's say that Florida did come into that game full strength. OU was going to score a lot on that defense. 
Like let's say let's say even Florida had like you know th- their top four pass catchers, the game would have been a shootout, and OU would have been very capable of keeping up in that shootout. They they were going to score a lot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it was it was good to see. It was just good to see it all. And and to me, it, I, I I will reference it probably multiple times. I I know that Florida was not at full strength, but Oklahoma showed me exactly what I was looking for, uh, despite the, uh, the opposing team not being all there. And and that that tells me something positive going into 2021 more three-word reviews from facebook michael says please don't go so uh, i'm assuming he's referencing anybody that uh, has a chance to go to the draft we do know today creed humphrey not surprisingly declared for the nfl draft this is a guy that could have gone to the draft after last season and came back this year to to try to win a national championship so you can't fault him uh, now going going to the NFL. So congratulations on a, on a great career at Oklahoma by Creed Humphrey. Curious to figure out who the heck plays center next year. I mean, that's that's a huge, Chris Murray. huge, huge hole to fill. Chris Murray? It'll be Chris Murray. I mean, that's that's like my guess as of now. Um, okay. I bet it'll be, it'll be Murray or Andrew Rame or something like that. But Murray has actually played center at the collegiate level, like started games right. there. So, I, I mean, I just... Right. He's kind of the the logical choice. Uh, Tyrese Robinson tweeted out that he's back next year. I know there really wasn't a question of that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it probably just kind of makes sense for Murray to probably slide in and be that guy, or or, or someone else uh, emerges. I know Ian McIver. I know Beedenbow really likes him. Um, and you know, there's yeah, he'll there, have a shot. There, there's precedent. I mean, Eric Wren, you know, took over the starting job in 2016 from Jonathan Alvarez and never gave it back for two seasons. So. Uh, you know, there's precedent for that happening, but um, you know, I, I, I it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the only other guy they're probably waiting on in the offensive line would be Adrian Ely. Um, everyone else, I would assume, is coming back. Um, I, I would, I would recommend that Adrian Ely, Adrian Ely comes back. Uh, he can, he can get a lot better and really improve his draft stock. Sure, and then on the defensive side, uh, we're still going to wait on Ronnie Perkins. Uh, who knows about that? Uh, it. I think that's the big uh, one. I, you know, I, I think that's the one you need to point towards. If um, actually, you know, it, it, it's a package deal. I, I'm kind of of the mind that if if Perkins comes back, Stevenson is also going to come back, and and vice versa. Um, I, I kind of feel like if if that decision is made, it's made with the thought of yeah, we're coming back because we want to win a title. Um, and so I I, I don't I don't think I, I think a situation like that is not made in a vacuum. Um, you know, right? Like that—that that would be the only reason for those for those guys to come back. Like realistically speaking, I know I've said that Ronnie Perkins should just come back as just a prudential matter because he needs to work on his his moves. Um, we'll see if he does. I don't know. And I, you know, Stevenson has not played a lot of college football, um, so yeah, he he's a guy who who still does not have a lot of mileage, you know, on him. So, uh, we'll we'll see. I, I I'm if they come back, man. Um, then yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's going to be really tough to stop the hype train for sure. Yeah, and, and obviously Stevenson was the the next guy I was going to mention, uh, and I'll just use the same principle that I essentially was using last year when it came to Chuba Hubbard. I think Chuba Hubbard should have left after last year. I know that there are people saying that uh, he could he could get better, and obviously you know, you, can, you can always get better. Uh, I know the big knock on him was oh he's got to learn how to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's just got to become more of a complete back. And my thought process was, was always, well, he's very low on mileage. Uh, he hasn't, like, meaning he hasn't played a whole lot. 
He had a really good season. He's really fast. And it's not that difficult to learn how to catch the ball and just kind of improve at the next level whenever uh, you're a running back. You only have so many years to play. You're gonna, you'll, just, you'll learn and you'll get better at that in, in the pros. And, and I kind of thought that he had, a, he had a grade. I thought he was a guy that could be like a second-round pick. Uh, maybe he wouldn't have been. He probably didn't get that great. And, and, and now this year, he's going he's gonna to be lucky if he gets drafted in the if – he, if he's a third-round pick, he's, he's going to be, be really happy about that. But I, I, he's going to have to have a really good combine. So point being, Ramondre, same kind of idea. He has uh, very low mileage, a really good season, only played half the year. But uh, you know his last game, you're going to see him on tape, looks really good. He can do it all. I mean, he's low to the ground. He's powerful. He's got speed. He, he can catch the football. I think for his own personal livelihood, I think this is a good time for him to go to the, the NFL. Uh, personally, selfishly, it'd be great for him to come back to watch him play another year at Oklahoma. Um, I just don't know how much he can really add on to his draft stock coming back a year. I just uh, Coming back for a year will give him a potential to just get more tread on the tires, maybe get hurt, uh, and maybe not play as well, even though the, the, the hopes are pretty high for 2021 for this Oklahoma team. Yeah, I think it. I I, th- I think it just. I think it makes a lot more sense for Stevenson to leave than it does for Perkins to leave. Um, I don't. I I I don't think Stevenson can be a first round pick. I, I just. I think his. I think his top end speed puts kind of a, a cap on that. Um, I I think probably his ceiling as an NFL draft pick is the second round. Um, and you you yeah, see I a agree. lot of like Dalvin Cook was a second rounder. A lot of I mean a lot of all pros are second rounders. Um. I just I whereas I think I think Ronnie Perkins can be a first round pick if he if he gets better and he improves his craft. Um, you're right, yeah. I, I think it makes a lot more sense for Stevenson to leave, but you're right. Selfishly, I, I really hope he doesn't. Um, just because he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires, he hasn't gotten a lot of carries in his OU career. Um, and I, I I do think a full season as that as like the bell cow guy. I mean he's 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 an obvious All American candidate type guy easily. Um, and um, I just think it would, yeah, selfishly, I think it'd be cool to see that. But also at the same time, yeah, I, I don't know if, if, if that would be the best move for him personally, but we'll see. I mean, we, we will see. Who, like, who, who knows how, you know, how powerful the thought of a national championship is. Um, and like, I, he, can go to the, he can go to the NFL, he can be a third or fourth round pick, and I, he's going to be successful in the NFL, I think, if he puts in the work. Um, but... I don't know, man. If you if you come back for one year at OU and you're you have an All American type season, have a really good year, and you win a national title, he's going to be a legend. I mean, he is someone that everyone will always remember. Um, and that's, I mean, the thought of that can be pretty powerful. So I will see what happens. Yeah, and and the culture right now in this program, especially after after that game last night, is very good. I mean, it, there was a lot of talk about next year. Uh, they're all saying the right things. Um, you know, it, it, it could be. I mean, it's definitely on the minds of everyone in that program. And and I mean, Creed knows it, but Creed knows that it, does, it doesn't make any sense him, for him personally to, to come back. He doesn't need to. Um, and, and so he's, he's going to do the thing that's best for him. I, I get it. But, you know, and, and that, that's what we're talking about here with Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre. You know, they have to make their own decision on their own. Um, aside from those main guys, a couple other guys that that could come back or that, that, that could leave that we're not sure about. It kind of seemed like listening to Isaiah Thomas and seeing his social media. I think Isaiah Thomas is going to be back. It, it, it really seemed like just things he was posting on Twitter and in the postgame press conference. And I, I, I apologize for not giving any specifics right now, but just kind of the vibe I got from Isaiah Thomas. It seems like he might be, might be in for next year. Uh, one that is, 
I haven't seen any reason to think that he's going to go, but he certainly could, is Nick Benito. Uh, he's, he's eligible to go to the draft. And honestly, he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he had a higher draft grade at this point than somebody like Ronnie Perkins just because of his potential. I mean, See, his I don't, body. Like, what I do don't agree do? with that. I, I, think he's, I think Nick Benito is going to be a tweener in the NFL. I don't think he has an obvious position. Okay. Um, unless, you know, I, like, I, he, he is a jack linebacker. I, I don't, he can't, and maybe he can play another position, but, um, like, I, we'll see. I don't know. Um, he's, he's kind of more like, um, I'd say Nick Benito is more along the lines of like a, like a Kalevin Shassan from LSU last season. I know he was a, he was, he, he kind of got drafted in the, in the, the later half of the first round. And I know he had a really quiet rookie year. They kind of had trouble finding a, a spot for him. Um, We'll see. I, I don't know. Like Benito yeah. is also one of those guys who who I think, you know, if if he comes back, obviously, you know, all American is on the table. He was already a second team AP guy this year. But he seems like a guy who just he needs to finish more plays. Um, you know, everyone knows about the PFF stat he had. He he led the he led the country in pass rush win rate, grade, all that stuff. But he's still like, you know, and he 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 still had good sack numbers this year, but they weren't like they didn't really his sack numbers like the in the amount of you know actual like takedowns that he had of the quarterback behind the list, behind the line of scrimmage didn't necessarily match up with those kind of really gaudy overwhelming PFF numbers and if he's a guy who can he if he can marry those two things and he can be ultra productive then I think you're definitely talking about a guy who's going to be a first round pick in all likelihood just because people salivate over pass rushers um I, I he he's a guy who can definitely still make himself a lot of money by coming back for sure and that's the same with like a guy like Isaiah Thomas. Um, Isaiah, like you look at a guy like Thomas, you think to yourself, man, nine months in a weight room, like off-season program, and he puts on like NFL weight. I mean, that's a guy who could be a, like a first-round draft pick for sure. Because I mean, because he's got you know you know he's fast, he's quick, and he's so long. He's got so much length. Um, he's a guy who I mean, you he, he puts on ten or fifteen extra pounds. You know, he, he probably, you start talking about him as, as a potential first-round pick. Um, oh, man, I'm getting excited even just talking to myself. What are the chances that, what are the chances that they're just like everyone on the defensive line just leaves? Uh, not good. I, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think Benito will be back. I just wanted to bring him up because I know that Brady and I briefly touched on him a couple days ago, and uh, I, I think... Uh, he mentioned that he he wasn't eligible to go to the draft, and and I didn't I I couldn't remember, so I just wanted to clarify that he is he is eligible to go. I I don't think he will, just my own personal opinion. And uh, again, I I kind of get the vibe that Isaiah Thomas wants to come back. Uh, we heard from Dusty again that Jalen Redmond's going to come back and play again. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's that's kind of what's out there and what we're going to be waiting for. But first up, uh, Creed Humphrey is the the first guy to go. More three-word reviews on Facebook from Ned. Ned says, defense showed up, ran the ball, half a hundred, and then finally number eight coming. How many, I mean, Grant, how many years are we going to talk about number eight? It's just, it's taken forever. I know it's that's, forever I mean, for that's what everyone eight. wants. That's what everyone wants. Um, you know, the kind of the hardcore OU fan in me, it's, it's like, of course, this is, 2021 is, is clearly going to be, you know, before the season starts, this is clearly their best chance in a really long time in terms of like everything sort of laying out 
all that you need, like in the preseason, everything kind of happened like that. 2017, I think we all kind of had an idea that they'd be pretty good. Um, but it wasn't until they went into Columbus and beat Ohio State where we you're like, okay, they can win a national title. Um, this year, I, 2021, it's, I mean, it, it, it's clear. This is a team that if, if a lot of, if, if, if some things go right in the offseason and they get better in some areas, they are a bona fide, legitimate national title contender, not, not just playoff contender, a team that can get there and win it all. Um, everyone sees that. Everyone realizes that. It's now going to be on the kids to put in all the work in the offseason. And hopefully they understand that they still, from this point on, need to get a lot better to win a national title. The ceiling is there. The potential yes. is there. But, oh, man, they got to get a lot better to, to win a national title. They really do. 100% correct. And that's why I hope a, a game like last night, even though it was against a team that was not at full strength, just them experiencing that and doing that to a team, a name brand type team, and I'm not saying name brand in terms of like they're a blue blood, but I mean Florida is a, is a team that is a is a really good team, and for a, a, a portion of this season they were national, well they were playoff contenders. So it's not like they did this against Iowa State, they didn't do this against Kansas State, they didn't do this against Indiana, who is having a good season. I mean they did it against a real team. Um, so I think that's that's the start, and that's I think that's how they took that game. That's how we were hoping they would take that game. And listening to the post-game press conference from Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler and Brian Asamoah and Isaiah Thomas. Uh, yeah, it just it seemed like that's what they were they were looking for. I mean, they were taking this game seriously and they wanted to vault into 2021. And you're right. And like and, and we've said it, we said it a lot. You're always kind of looking for that, for that, you know, the killer instinct. The killer instinct was certainly present in this game. It definitely was. Um, I, I, I don't think they were satisfied with 55. They probably all wanted a lot more than that. Um, and so yep. we'll, we'll see. This is one of the reasons why I kind of had, you know, my opening take the way that it was is one of the points I wanted to make is I hope that OU uses that disrespect that Florida showed before and during the game as motivation for the offseason and, and be pissed off about that. And, realize, and, and say to themselves, this isn't just a Florida thing. This is an SEC thing. This yes, is inherent yes. to their conference, that attitude. And we need to show them that if they show up with that attitude again, they're going to get their freaking mouths smacked. And that's what happened. And, and so I, I really hope they use that as motivation going forward. That is going to be, the, um, that is going to be where this Cotton Bowl has the most value. Not in the final mm. score, but in that perceived disrespect that Florida showed. Because, I mean... That's the exact same disrespect that LSU showed before the Peach Bowl. And they came out and they backed it up. Um, and, you know, teams need to realize that, you know, you can't do that against Oklahoma. And the very first step in the right direction is smacking a team when they do it. And so this is, yeah. this is a good first step. And like I said, I hope they take this good feeling and the fact that they came into this game with a lot of motivation and they worked hard. They worked hard for that score in the game. And I hope that's on their mind the rest of the offseason in the weight room during spring practice because that's where the national title is going to be won in February, in March, in April, in May. And I hope, I hope Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff realize that, and I hope that that filters down to the players. Yeah, I love it. That's, man, I, that fired me up. That's well said. Because that, the hardest part about football, it's not, not on game day. It's 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 in week to week. It's at practice, and especially it's the off season, man. It's a long off season, and it's real easy just to to rest on your laurels, look back at that cool Cotton Bowl win, and 
eh, you know, I'm not going to, maybe I'm not going to work out as long as today as I, as I want, eh, whatever. I mean, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm 19. I'm fine. And honestly, like I did that when I, I mean, I wasn't a college football player, but when I played sports, I mean, yeah, it's when you're a kid, you're young, it's, it's, it's difficult to work as hard as really you, you probably need to, to become a champion. And yeah, I, I, using that as motivation throughout the year, I mean, that's not easy. It's not easy to, to have a hard, tough, productive offseason, but man, I, I hope you're right. I hope this is, that's what this game can do, and, and they can hit the weights, and, and they, can, they can go into a season not thinking playoff. They go into the season thinking, like what you said, we're going to win it all. We can do it, and we're going to shut that, that conference up and whoever else wants to step to us. Oh man, that that gets me fired up. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and and so that's why you know, and, and I have a feeling that they are going to use this going forward. Like, I mean, you could you could tell. I mean, just in, on social media and the players after the game with the media. I mean, they're they were pissed. They they were not happy uh, w- with how the lead up of that game went. Um, and like I said, I I hope it's something that th- I hope they remember that feeling, um, and I hope they use it to their advantage. And I I, I think there are there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they are going to do that. Um, and man, like, and just, and just think, I mean, they got, they got some new freshmen coming in. You never know who is good enough to play and help them out as well. And you, you just never know how many, like, you know, there's some hungry guys in the transfer portal who want to come in and win a national title and want to work for it along with those guys. And, and I think, I think Lincoln Riley and that staff, they're going to find guys like that too. And so I'm, I'm fired up just thinking about it. Like I, I said, in the opening take, I'm I'm excited to talk about 2021, and I want to do it as soon as possible. I'm there, man. I, I'm there. I, I'm I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna fall into the trap with everyone else. Like, I mean, it's this this is a this is a great shot, and um, we'll see if it's realized. All right, more from Facebook. We got to go to David here on the Facebook page. Says Gators got chomped. It's a good one. Uh, Brady Brady Trantham chiming in saying we were right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Brady was a lot more right than I was. He uh, he predicted a a pretty big blowout, kind of like you did. And uh, you know, I thought Oklahoma would win, but I didn't think uh, I didn't think five touchdowns. I uh, I thought I thought maybe two scores. So I'm glad I was wrong in the right direction. Uh, Tyler's three word review: interception, interception, interception. So I gotta take this time to give it up for my man Trey Norwood. Um, he just he broke on the ball. It was a not a great throw by Kyle Trask, but it was a. Uh, I watched tape. I'm going to assume they're going to go for this little, this little five, six, seven yard out route. And great hips by Norwood. He broke on the ball, and it was the easiest pick six he might ever have. And that's just that's skill. That's that's preparation. That's film study. All the things that he told me a week ago that he he does that he that, you know that helps him become the cover player, the the cover man that he is. And I said this on Twitter. He's he's been the best cover guy at Oklahoma since he came onto the scene. Uh, aside from, we'll never know how it would have gone down last year if he would have been healthy. But Parnell Motley was the best cover guy in 2019. If they were both on the field at the same time, I think they could have gone back and forth. We could have figured out who was better. So, and he he has had what? Um, I think he leads the team in interceptions, and he's had how many the last couple of games? I mean, I I'm not good with stats, but definitely one against Iowa State, one against Florida. Uh, did he have one against Baylor? I can't remember. But I think he had one against Texas Tech. He had like two against Tech. Oh yeah, he had. He had. He had oh, that's he right. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, Tech. Fields just had his first one against Iowa State. Um, no, hey, I'll maybe you know probably for the first time in his tenure at OU, I am I am very very happy 
to uh, to welcome back Trey Norwood next season in a in, in a very deserved starting role. And that's that's kind of where I'll leave it. Uh, the last thing I have on him is I need to go watch some more tape. But if anybody out there that listens to this podcast and is also a Chicago Bears fan, which maybe it's just me. Uh, Trey Norwood, his mannerisms and the way he plays and the way he looks on the field. I know they play different positions. He looks a lot like Kyle Fuller, the Bears' starting corner, number 23. Just the way he runs and like the, just kind of trying to think of the best way to describe it. It's, it's very relaxed and kind of cool and calm with their gait and the way they cover. I think Trey Norwood kind of looks like him. I'm not saying he's as good as him because he was a first-round pick. Kyle Fuller, he's been, a, he's been a, you know, in the league now for, I think, seven or eight years. But anyways, just a random thought. We talked about how Trask looks like certain players. I kind of, when I watch uh, Norwood, I, to me he kind of looks like Kyle Fuller. Yeah, honestly, when I when I see Norwood out there, he still looks a little out of place physically. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if I can compare him to uh, to an NFL guy. And he's like physically, he's gotten a lot better. Um, but I was going to ask you, what are the chances? Just like kind of in the off season, let's let's assume you know just for purposes of this podcast that they're going to have just a normal off season. They have spring practice. They have their normal like weight training and everything like that. What are the chances that Trey Norwood has a bit of a glow up and puts on a lot of really good weight and is kind of like more veed out and cut? And because um, like he's he's pretty long, like he's not a tall guy, but he's got long arms. Um, I like I don't know. I mean, because he's he's a good player, but physically he still leaves a lot to be desired. There there were a yes, couple plays yes, in that game where they, they were running to his side. And he just got completely washed out, and there was just nothing that he could do about it. Oh yeah, and and. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying right now. I don't think he's an NFL player because he's not big enough. He, he's his. He's just so good at coverage. Like he just he just knows what to do. Granted, I, I do think he might have gotten away with one the, last night. He kind of tripped over himself and pushed a receiver, kind of, and he got away with no call on that deep ball that the guy dropped. I kind of thought that was a little awkward, but I'm looking at the roster. They list him at 194. I, I don't buy that for a second. I don't think he weighs that much. Yeah, there's no way he's that. Uh, he's one nine. No way. He he's def he's definitely bigger than he was two years ago uh, in 2018 when he was healthy. Because obviously last year he was out. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough, man. I mean, he's when he got on the on the campus in 2017. I think I want to say he was like maybe 160. It might even have been in the 150s. So he's already put on a lot of weight, especially according to the roster. I mean, I. So if, if he really is 194, which I doubt it, I mean, I don't know how much more muscle he can really put on before he starts to become uh, an, a, a severely undersized linebacker's size. Yeah, so I, I just... Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, when, when the other team drop backs, you know, drops back to pass, I, it's, you, you want Trey Norwood in your secondary. I think that's, 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 that's beginning to be pretty clear. Um, and he's, he, he's pretty clearly an experienced guy who knows exactly what his role is and what is expected of him. And you know what? To win a national title, you need multiple guys like that. And, and you know, uh, on you know, looking looking, you know, looking forward to a potential 2021 team, Trey Norwood is one of those quote unquote glue guys, for sure. Uh, and of course, yeah, and just real quick, yes, he did have a pick against Baylor. Of course he did. Yeah, and I remember now. He he intercepted a ball over the middle. So he's he's had an interception in, in the last three games. So uh, five picks this year for Trey Norwood, and then the one touchdown, the pick six. So that was pretty cool. Uh, more from Facebook. Phillip says 11 yards per rush. Uh, just just missed it, almost 10.9, but uh, uh, excellent game on the ground. 
Uh, Michael says, don't leave Grinch. I think we've already talked about this a little bit. Uh, Grinch, Grinch ain't going anywhere. He'll, he'll be back next year. Just that's our, our thought. But after next year is whenever I think we all need to start looking. You know, maybe that's it for Alex Grinch. Um, I, I think he, he's, he's with Lincoln Riley. He knows that this team and what they've built, uh, he, he knows that they can do something special next year. So I, I, I would be yeah, – I, I just don't see Alex Grinch going anywhere in, until potentially maybe after next year. And, yeah, and he, he's a guy – like, and I said it before, he's not – Alex Grinch is not going to leave Oklahoma to go to Arizona. He, he's the type of guy who, who goes to Michigan from OU. Not – like, he's – what he's done at OU, that's, that's not normal – with how bad OU was two years ago, and he's doing it largely with the same players too. Um, you know that's that's really impressive. Like, and, and he, he's clearly a culture guy. Yeah, Alex Grinch is is going to be a really good head coach in the future. I, there's no doubt about it in my head. Um, and I guess yeah, me, me saying Michigan, that's me kind of calling my shot a little bit. Actually, I, I think I think once Harbaugh's done there, I think Michigan's going to come after Grinch and get him. Yeah, I mean, look at it. He's Look at his track record already. He, he obviously he, we know what he did at Washington State under Mike Leach for three seasons. He improved that defense immensely. He goes. I mean, he's already had a year under uh, you know at, under Urban Meyer at Ohio State, or, or so. I mean, he's already been at Ohio State, and then he's like, yeah, I'm going to go coach with Lincoln Riley, and he's already got two two years underneath Lincoln Riley. So he's already been at two premier programs in college football. So. I mean, with the success that he has brought to this defense, and like you said, I mean, he's a culture guy. Everybody loves him. I mean, after the game, uh, Brian Osamoa said Alex Grinch for president, and then he changed his Twitter profile picture to a picture of Alex Grinch for like an hour. That's hysterically <laughs> funny. Which was hilarious. Hilarious. I mean, they love him there. I mean, it, it's it's just so different. I love Brian Osamoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, I good for him uh getting an interception last night um so yeah he he's i'm, I'm with you I, I i just don't see him going to arizona yeah he's a guy that if he wants to whenever he decides that he wants to be a coach he can go to a real school sorry arizona fans um and by real i don't mean i mean i mean like a a, a big time school that potentially could win a conference championship like he can go to a helmet first school. year or second year yeah okay that's a good way to put it so yeah, I I don't and don't worry about him for uh, next year, guys. But after that, then I think all bets are off. So you don't think it's uh he's uh he's in any sort of uh, threat to uh, go back to his alma mater, Mount Union, to coach Division three football? <laughs> Maybe uh, when he retires from Division one football and he wants to have fun. I don't know. So no. Um. Okay. So Connor says, "Who will stay?" I already talked a little bit about that. Uh, Trey says, "S E C." Um, how about more from Trey? He says chase for eight, hung half a hundred. Mullen makes excuses. Uh, we haven't really talked about Dan Mullen yet on this uh, podcast. Obviously, he had a lot of quotes going around last night. Um, the, the one that really bothered me the most of all of them, and I'll be honest with you, not, not as many of his quotes bothered me maybe as much as the fan base or you or whatever, but the one that really kind of annoyed me was saying that they had the numbers to not play the game. Okay, man, like that. Like I, I get that. A lot of your guys like we're supposed to give out. you some and, credit. Yeah, like that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm kind of with them. Like for example, I mean, I know people were the the quote going around where he was saying like our last game of 2020 was 10 days ago or whatever like that, and everyone was latching onto that. Again, this is just me. I give people the benefit of the doubt. The way I looked at it, if I'm in his shoes. 
I am steaming uh, mad. I don't, I don't want to say, even though, whatever. I, I'd be steaming mad at these guys that you talked about in your opening take and you've talked about that opted out of this game. Aside from Kyle Pitts, I'd be so angry with these guys. And they, they have no business opting out. So I, the way I took a lot of what he, was, what he said is he was taking shots at those players and his own guys that are now going to be gone from the program because he was so frustrated that they didn't take it seriously and they were like, yeah, I'm out of here and kind of left his quarterback out to dry. And so I didn't take Attitude a lot of it reflects as, leadership. Sure. Those, those decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Okay, sure, and that's, that's fine. But I, I, th- that's what I, I took out of it. I didn't take it as much of disrespect for Oklahoma as it was him being really mad and, actually, and, and taking shots at his own guys, which you could you – could, granted, that's my own opinion. Uh, but, again, Dan Mullen's a competitor. They're all competitors except for maybe the – well, no, I'm not going to say that. But uh, I think he was mad about that. And at the same time, though, some of the things he said came off as really disrespectful to Oklahoma. But the main one to me was just acknowledging that they, they had the numbers. Like, oh, okay, so you're just going to – you could have just called up Lincoln Riley and be like, hey, Lincoln, sorry, man. We're, I know you guys have been really practicing hard and ready for this game, but we're just not going to show up. Sorry, dude. Have a good, have a good New Year. Like, okay, thanks, man. Th- thanks for bringing that up. Like, no, you, did, you didn't need to say that. You didn't need to say that part. You already put your point across by – essentially in my opinion throwing your guys under the bus for not showing up and uh and, and you don't so, yeah, you just that, that and, and no in no world or reality do you deserve credit for playing a game that you are expected to play in that you should play in like it's just the whole thing is just so yeah, silly yeah. and like I, I just yeah i i i try to i try not to get like too kind of in the weeds about stuff like that a lot of the times but sometimes just like just Things just really piss me off, and like that—that that really rubbed me the wrong way. the The entire way their program went about it, it's it just to me, it was just a giant middle finger to OU's program. And um, I I think the best, the best, like I said, the best possible way, you know, for this to end is for OU to use that perpetually going forward. Just remember that feeling. Remember how. Just remember the disrespect. Um, because like I said, it's, it's clearly emblematic of that program and it's pretty emblematic of a certain conference and a lot of teams that haven't earned Jack's squat thinking that they have. All right. And the last Facebook uh, three word review, uh, is from Chris. I'm going to censor it a bit because, uh, he kind of censored himself, but essentially he says expletive the SEC, uh, and he, uh, does the, the crying laughing emoji. So, um, not a lot of uh, SEC love right now from the Oklahoma fan base, as you might expect. So that's all from Facebook. We got a lot more on Twitter. I don't know how many we're going to go through because there's so many of them, but uh, I'll make sure to hit on all the, the, the people that I know for sure listen that, that provide three-word reviews all the time. So I'll try to hit on all of you. But uh, first up, my coworker Jed from News 9 says, great second half. And it was. You know what? And, and I'm glad Jed brought that up because after halftime, my thought was, no more points. Do not let Florida score. So I'm pretty annoyed they got a garbage time touchdown, but you know what? That's okay. They gave up one garbage time touchdown for the most part. They, they didn't let Florida score after halftime, and the offense ran it up. So I was happy to see that, and I kind of liked uh, – by the way, Dusty, everyone saw, did the game from the booth. He was originally supposed to do the, the radio, but something happened in the last 24 hours, 48 hours before the game. He got elevated to do the, the on the TV broadcast, so that's cool for him. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny. He showed the the split screen going into the fourth quarter about it was like Lincoln Riley giving this this big talk. It was like laser focus, 
and then it was over to the Florida side where they kind of looked like they were just wandering around like all right whatever one more quarter to go <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny that Dusty pointed that out and I'm, I'm glad I mean Lincoln Riley after the game said yeah I mean we wanted to make sure to remind them this is the last quarter of football we have all year like finish it we gotta we gotta be done I mean this is the last quarter of football maybe for some of these players so don't take it for granted go out there and finish this game and for the most part, they did. I'm glad you brought up the garbage touchdown because something stood out to me that really kind of um, uh, paints a pretty, you know, it paints a picture of where OU was and, and where they are now. Lee, the guy, you know, uh, when when Florida scored that touchdown, they scored that on Chance Sylvie. That was that was scored on Chance Sylvie. Um, and you uh, know, Chance Sylvie is he's been a great Sooner. He's gone through a lot of ups and downs. He's been hurt a lot at OU. Lee, but Chance Sylvie was a prominent defender on that 2017 team. He played a lot of snaps in that Rose Bowl. Look at where look at where the program is now. Sylvie can't even get on the field. He 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 can't. And he, he's a guy who's been around for a long time. He know he knows his stuff. Um he was a guy, I mean he he missed a tackle on on Nick Chubb or or uh, um or Sony Michelle in the Rose Bowl that led to a touchdown. Um and he just that's how much of that's how much progress this defense has made. Whereas now he's out there with like the third and fourth stringers in a Cotton Bowl in a game that they're up by forty two points. That's I mean that that illustrates perfectly kind of where they are and where or where they've been and where they are now. Um, that's I that's just great and like I, that sounds mean. I don't want to pick on Chance, but um, you yeah, know, for all intents and purposes, Chance Chance is a, a good team guy. He's with the program and and yeah, it's and he's a guy that I think. Either before last season, I think before last season, I kind of thought he might be a starter, and then he just never. Yeah, he was hurt. He came back. I know he came back and he was able to play a little bit in that Orange Bowl against Alabama, but yeah, you know, he just never got to the point where he was able to play a whole lot. Yeah, it's like I don't want to be too unfair to Chance because he Chance was was never like a bad or anything like that at all. He never was. Um, I just it was to you know just to highlight kind of. You know, he, he was a guy who was playing just a ton of snaps in that Rose Bowl. They were they were counting on on you know him you know, playing a lot of snaps in order to get to a national championship game, and now it's just not. Well, I hate to I hate to crap on your point, but uh, I'm looking back actually because now I have the Pro Football Focus subscription. He didn't play a whole lot of snaps in that Rose Bowl. He only played six, so he wasn't playing a whole lot in that game either. But apparently, he must have done something that that made you recognize him or remember him from that game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's probably great. It's probably the Michelle or Chubb run. See, it's hard. I, I can never remember who you know who who had the super long runs, whether it was Chubb or Michelle, because they both well, had like I mean, had five apiece. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it was the whole the whole defense aside from Stephen Parker and uh, Devonte Lampkin, <laughs> and uh, also actually Caleb Kelly played played pretty well according to these grades. But outside of that, everybody was pretty bad. And how about this? The uh, and this is a total sidebar from our podcast, but just for fun and. Uh, <laughs> for fun let's kind of make fun of some old OU player eh, no I'm not gonna do that that's not fair actually I'll we'll do two of them because honestly now they're both doing pretty well so who do you think were the two that's kind of a hint I just gave you but thinking back to that Rose Bowl game who do you think pro football focus graded as the two worst defensive players in that game for Oklahoma um okay so I mean uh, Kenneth Murray obviously is one of them he was he was downright atrocious in that game and they actually had the same exact grade number. So they played equally bad in that game. Is it Kenneth Murray and Motley? Nope. Nope. Oboe. 
fact, Motley, he did okay. He, no, no, I, I just I, I gave you a hint a second ago because I said both the guys are doing pretty well right now. I'm trying. I, I oh, is it Gallimore? Uh, it's not. No, Trey Norwood. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. honestly, I don't Trey really. Nor- Trey Norwood has come a long way from that Rose Bowl. But where- also, like, I don't like. It wasn't. They didn't get like picked apart through the air in that game by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no. the The problem is the problem is they ran the ball over Oklahoma, and he's not he's not a guy that's going to come up and make make tackles. True. So, I mean, he just True. got he just got blown up off. And just his his improvement from then. And Grant, Georgia was doing what he doesn't do best. I mean, he is a guy that is well in pass cover. That, that's why he he came in in 2017 um, because Jordan um, Thomas, Jordan Thomas, just could not cover anybody anymore. He just kept and so right when Trey Norwood came in and like half the season he had more pass breakups than uh, than he did. Anyways, hey, while um, we're uh, let, I'm sidebar. actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up while while we're talking about defensive backs. How one of one of you know surprisingly one of my few positive defensive takeaways from the game um, were that Woody Washington and DJ Graham both might be really good. As in, like you can tell that they haven't neither of them have put it all together yet, but you can just you can see the ability dripping off of both of them. Um, the one the the, the play uh, that stands out to me with Woody obviously had an interception. His 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 almost near pick that was almost one of the one of the best plays I've ever seen a corner make like in terms of athleticism um and then DJ Graham I I just he's he's gonna be a really good player for OU it's it's been a while since you've seen someone just kind of like thrown into the fire like that and he hasn't been thrown into the fire this year they've they've kind of worked him in progressively um but he just looks the part he physically he, he he looks like he belongs out there he's got swagger he's athletic he made a couple of really nice plays on the ball over the middle of the field in that game. And I'm starting to think to myself, man, if you got if Woody Washington and DJ Graham can both progress this season and just get a lot better, how I mean, that's going to make the defense so much better. Like having having two guys who who can who can make plays on the ball and who can potentially be shut down type guys. I mean, you can you can win the Big 12 just with that alone. Yeah, I, I think uh, the game last night, and, and this isn't this isn't surprising because most people, anybody that follows OU football and understands the game of football, I don't think anybody was really concerned about Trey Brown being out of that game. I mean, I, I, the the consensus was no nah, that they're they're going to slide in DJ Graham, Woody Washington's been there starting, there, they're going to be fine. And I think even if all those guys, uh, I mean, obviously Pitts opted out right away, but even if Kadarius Tony was there, and I, I still think Oklahoma would have been fine. I mean, they would have, they would have given up more yards. They would have given up. I mean, because I think Tony's really good. I think Grimes is a good big body. They would have given, they would have probably given up more yards. Granted, Florida did get a lot of yards in that game. I mean, they got a lot of yards in that game, but I, it, it was mostly in front. Oklahoma was giving up a lot of cushion, unfortunately, and it was a lot in front of their linebackers and uh, you know things like that. So yeah, it, those players are good and. Since we're on, since again, I'm I'm on a pro football focus fix. Just for the record, looking at last night's grades, DJ Graham graded out as the of all the starters, the guys that played the most snaps as the uh, top D back in that game at 70.6 grade, which is uh, pretty darn good. Uh, in limited snaps, Buki was actually the highest graded player on Oklahoma Grant at 77.3. 
And in a limited role, he's he's been playing pretty well in the last couple of games when he's not playing every single snap. He's doing his job. And Woody Washington, surprisingly, is, is I mean, not terrible, but 60.1. Um, of all the starting defensive backs, he actually was graded out as the worst one. So that's kind of surprising. Where's Trey Norwood? He's at almost at 70. So, yeah, I mean, they're... It wasn't, but at the same time, though, we haven't really gone into this at all because we're kind of saying the positive. It wasn't that good of a game for the defense. It really wasn't. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm glad you you kind of broke the glass there. The defense did not play particularly well last night. Um, it was I, an offense game. It it, it, it was, was an offense, offense game. game, and you know, I, I the defense. I, I, I'm very in glad. Situations I'm, though, the defense played really. In well. situations, they were great. They're like. All the turnovers were awesome. I, I I especially loved the one in the red zone where Benito forced the 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 duck that Trask threw that Woody ended up picking off. Like that's awesome. That I mean that that is a play that the defense made. Um, having that been said, there's just way too much stuff that needs to be corrected. Way too many chunk plays. Way too many guys running open over the middle of the field. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like you're happy that you won by 35 points. You're happy that you played really good situational defense, which has sometimes been a, a big struggle for OU. But also you come out feeling good, but also knowing that you got a lot to work on. Um and and like I I they know that. Like I I Alex Grinch I I think knows where 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 they where they came up short in that game. Um and it's 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 time to get to work to fix it. They have the you know the linebackers need to be a lot better in coverage. That's that's definitely going to be one of the focuses in the offseason. They they got to get better in that regard. Um, and and one of the things that I really liked about the game that they kind of afforded them this opportunity to get to get younger guys in there. We we saw quite a bit of Shane Witter. Um, and yeah, I, I I like stuff like that. Just you know, um, because you can never you can never have never have too many guys. And and if there's one thing. Uh, that I came away just really impressed with OU is that I feel like their depth on defense and what they're developing there really started to show in that game. It, it really did. I, I I felt like kind of Florida was was sort of the same regardless of which unit they were going against. Um, and you know I, I I don't know how that necessarily like I don't know what let's say OU next year is is an elite defense. I don't know what that means. I don't know how we can really define that. But let's say that they are. How often are we going to see guys, you know, switching and changing as much? Are we going to have are we going to have as many wholesale line changes as we do now? Um, I don't know, but I know late in the game that's really going to play pay off for them. So, um, I mean, it also helps if you got one guy playing like crap. You can pull him and put someone else in and actually feel good about it. Um, you talk about Buki being the um, being the top graded defender on the team. Uh, in, in limited snaps, maybe maybe that's his niche. Maybe they find out that Buki is really effective in limited snaps. Because if there's one thing we know about Buki, he can cover, and you can never have too many guys who can cover. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it, it's crazy. Like I, I I keep going back to that 2018 season when they were literally with not really no hyperbole at all. They were literally the worst defense in college football. I know they weren't, but they were damn close to be in the worst defense in all of college football. And now, like, I, I don't think it's too crazy to say that this season they, they probably had one of the 10 best defenses in college football with a lot of the same players. That is unreal to me. I saw that 2018 defense. And it's, it's, it's just night and day. Yeah, I'd have to look into it. I, I guess they probably had like one of, like, maybe like one of the top 20 defenses. I bet. I mean, top 10 is 
I mean, I don't know. I guess there were yeah, fewer teams I, I that just, played this year. When I say um, that, I'm 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 putting a lot of stock in the pass rush. Their pass rush was really good this year. And and actually, yeah, we all know you I, love the pass rush. And and ironically, that was the thing that didn't really show up in the Cotton Bowl. They didn't. Uh, Florida's offensive line, for the most part, kind of handled. They used D line, which sort of well, here's su- the thing. surprised if, me. If, if it would have been a normal game though, and they would have played Trask a lot more of his normal snaps, I think eventually it would have started getting there. But it, whenever they brought the Probably. backup in, that's just he's he's got legs. I mean that that was a big part of the game. So and, and, and so the reason why I put like so much importance on the pass rush is a lot of the times OU is going to be playing with the lead, and that's and that's when you want those guys to to pin their ears back. And I, I mean I'm if OU is going to win a national championship, it's not going to be Spencer Rattler that wins it. It's going to be Isaiah Thomas and Ronnie Perkins and Perry and Winfrey that win it for him. That that's just that's just how college football works. All right, I can't promise this will be the last time I reference the PFF grades, but I just saw this and it's it's great. It's this is gold, and I yeah. Uh, so Grant, I'm looking at Florida's defense and their uh, their grades, and so, <laughs> I got to say, man, uh, he's not a starter, but their highest graded player only played four snaps, only got four snaps in that game. But you know what, Grant? James Houston the fourth backed up his talk. He had the highest grade of the entire Florida defense. 85.8. So that guy only played four snaps and Florida was like down two of their top three linebackers? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's tough. And I mean, I mean that's... Unless pro football focus is off, but... It's pretty I mean, tough. They only got four living. snaps in a game in which OU had their second best running game in the history of their program. Man, but hey, he graded out the highest of everybody. So he, he backed up his talk whenever he was on the field, which was only for four snaps. That's pretty good. Um, all right. At P23570, his three-word review is just means more. He's always got some good three-word reviews, obviously trolling the SEC's sloganeering. Uh, Jeff says future is bright. Definitely seems that way. Uh, at T picks it up one says big boy game. Uh, Michael, high note ending. Um, at Cornelius R. Neal says complete team beatdown. Let's see. Bob at Bob Sooner KC says no excuses now. Obviously, uh, I mean, I don't follow like Florida message boards and like, I mean, is there a good, do you think a lot of Florida fans are making excuses or do you think they just are kind of mad at their team for not caring? Do you, do you have a a gauge of that at all? I'm not sure. I, the Florida fan base is, I'm not too familiar with them. Um, they don't, I don't, me neither. I I don't really think they have a huge reputation for being like delusional. Um, but I also know they have like that gator bait chant and they, they get pretty obnoxious with that. And I, uh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of three word reviews are referencing the secs. It just means more, uh, at sooner SS 2004 says just matters more. Uh, Harry, uh, at hype man. Harry says only one Oklahoma. Uh, my coworker Ryan says, and this is—we've already talked a little bit about this already. Ryan says, "Natty hype begins." Yes, yes, it does. Can they uh, handle it? Can this group of guys handle can, it? Can they handle it? Can they handle? Yeah, that's the question, man. The question to me at, before that game was, do, "Will this team take it seriously?" And they answered it, "Yes." Can this team handle the pressure of actually being a true national championship contender with the hype? I don't know. I, I don't know. And a lot uh, of Jack that, set. you know, a lot of that is is going to be 
a lot of that portion of it is going to be on their quarterback. That I mean, that's that's a massive, massive piece to this puzzle. And I know I said it's not going to be. Ultimately, it's going to be the defensive line that wins them the national championship when it gets there. Uh, but you know, the quarterback still has to be the leader of the team. And um, you know, Rat like Rattler was really good last night. There's there there's still a few things um, that he really needs to iron out um, that I've that I've noticed that he just kind of keeps going back to the well on. But oh man, you cannot that deep ball is pretty. I mean, how many how many deep like he connected at least on four or five of them. Right, but, but I mean, there were drops, but he had four or five that he just dropped perfectly into the bucket. Yeah, the dudes. Like, I don't. Again, man, I I know we're we're a little different and talking to Brady and and there and a lot of, I don't know what you guys are seeing, man. Like he is so good, and I don't I don't know what you guys are missing here. He struggled. He and, I, I and, think I I think this bit of him struggling over the middle of the field might be a thing. Did you notice again on that on that same kind of pop pass to Jeremiah Hall? It, it, terribly off. Yeah. You know. Okay. So yes, yes, okay, that's a good point. And again, I haven't rewatched it, but I did notice there was not a whole lot of routes run across the middle of the field. Uh, I, hey, Austin Stogner was back, and they hit him down the seam one. That was good to see him actually play. And so, I mean, unless it's Austin Stogner, it would seem, he, yeah, that that's it's almost like they're not even. So maybe Lincoln Riley knows that's a weakness of his, and he's not dialing up plays that go across. Okay, so yes, I will agree with that. That is something that I don't see much, and to me, I think. It's a play calling issue, but maybe it's something that Lincoln Riley is just trying to mask because he knows that his quarterback doesn't see things that well in the middle of the field. Also, okay. he sure. Also, I mean, this this is actually kind of a glaring thing. He drifts into pressure way too much. He runs himself into pressure a lot. I mean, the sack that I mean, I know you think it was an incomplete pass, and so does Rattler. You thought it was. I mean, that was not good. He he should have felt that behind him because he had just gotten away from that guy. And he knew he was back there, and he still. But I, I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't see him floating into pressure. I don't. I, I guess I just, I haven't seen that at all. I don't, I don't know where that comes when from. When I, uh, when I rewatch the game, I'll try to point out exact plays. Okay. You can go back and watch. I just, I, I feel like there's way too many instances where he can climb the pocket. He needs to watch Kyle Trask climb the pocket. I, I just, I feel like there's, there's too many opportunities where he can climb the pocket and continue to go through his progressions, but instead he kind of drifts outside, outside the tackle box into the pressure. It happens way too much. Jalen Hurts kind of had the same problem, too, at times. Yeah, I definitely saw it with Hurts. That's for sure. Um, all right, more from Twitter. We go to Nick. He says, Speed D100. Very nice. Jack says, Love this team. Um, let's see. Our old buddy Josh at Shaq Adams. Going back to the well, by the way, it was Mike Breen. Uh, who, if you listen to our last episode with Grant on there, uh, Josh's Josh referenced Mike Breen from the NBA, and he references him again here, saying, "Oklahoma Sooners bang, <laughs> I just bang." Uh, yeah, if you don't like the NBA or don't watch the NBA, you obviously don't get any of this, and that's fine. I, the NBA is kind of turned into a kind of a niche sport, unfortunately, uh, for somebody like me who actually works in media and we cover the NBA with the Thunder. You don't don't care about that, even though. Brady certainly does. He was just on the show. He's a big Thunder guy, obviously working for the franchise. Uh, we got more from Cornelius. Uh, that there's a little, there's a. I'm not going to say that because there's a. Uh, I'll I'll just I'll censor it. Chomping Gator butt. <laughs> that's it's funnier that way. <laughs> I like that um, one. That's my favorite one yeah. so far. <laughs> um. All right, my coworker Matt. Uh, by the way, shout out to Matt Mahler from News Nine. Does the weather? Filled in on Sunday night on the Blitz doing play the percentages. That was great. Matt says, on another level. 
obviously referencing uh, the James Houston quote from last week. Um, let's see. Trying to find. There's so many of so many of these. Uh, Nathan says, "Seen excuses coming." Yeah, uh, I mean, I know a lot. Like, you can definitely accuse Dan Mullen of making excuses, and yeah, I, so do I. Because again, the comedy made about how they could have not played the game because of numbers is that's weak. I don't like that at all. And there's other ones that I know other people hate too, but that's the one that I hate the most. Let's see. Anything else? I'm not sure. Are you on the Twitter page? Are you looking at these, Grant? Or are you just chilling? Nah, I'm just chilling. <laughs> okay. Uh, at Jesus213 says, Sooners are coming. Um, Tony Tipton says, It means more. So more SEC um, trolling. Let's see. I'm trying to find some of the best ones. Um, at 955 underscore rap underscore S says, Elite level play. Uh, more from at P23570. He says, pre-trophy presentation wrap. And I don't know where you stand on it. And this is like a total me being old, old guy. I, that doesn't, like, I feel like I would be a terrible college football recruiter because you have to be into this kind of stuff. I, that the whole Malcolm Kelly thing is great with like the players and like Lincoln Riley's into it. And I see, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I just, I don't get it, but. I, maybe I would be just a terrible recruiter, but you know what? It's not because it does, doesn't matter what I think. It matters what those guys think in the program. So if they if that means a lot to them and they do it, then great, cool for them. I don't know if honestly, like I don't even remember that happening whenever he did it back in like what twenty two thousand six or oh seven or whatever it was two thousand six after the so. Big Twelve champ- championship game when they beat Nebraska. Uh, I do not share your opinion. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. All right. Um, it's 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 also kind of like a. It's like a meme, like viral thing, and like and like college football social media too. Like a lot of people know about it. Uh, I think it's really cool. A lot of like a lot of the dudes on the team right now, like we're in diapers when that ha- when when Malcolm Kelly sang that song. Uh, it, you know, did the freestyle. I think it's really cool that that's kind of lasted like a generation and is and and. So I I, I yeah I I saw the thing in the the you know the the trophy presentation too with them all singing it. I recognized it right away too. Um, I, yeah, I, I like that stuff. That's, that's one of the things that I, I kind of like, um, that's, that's sort of one of the new, like OU tradition things I, I really like. I, I've always, I remember seeing that the day after the big 12 championship game when that happened. And I, I like as a, as a, you know, 16 year old kid, I remember thinking that was one of the coolest things I had ever seen. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like that stuff, stuff that bridges the, the gaps between the generations of the players, especially with someone like me, who I, I, like, I, I was old enough and I, I have specific memories and I have fond memories of that season and of Malcolm Kelly and all that. The fact that, that like, those two generations are bridged together to me is really cool. I love that stuff. All right. Um, ben on Twitter says, pay Alex Grinch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they could pay him more money, Ben. I just don't know if, like, you know, you can only, like, as a coach, you want to become a head coach at some point. So, I, I don't, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they could, after this year, maybe they could give him more money and that would make him not want to be a head coach somewhere for a while. But uh, eventually, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a guy that wants to be a head coach somewhere. Um, at Sooner Script says, strangely satisfying season. <laughs> Um, absolutely, man. And speaking of if he's going to reference the entire season and how satisfying, I, I tweeted this out last night. And I know we've talked about this on this show, and we brought this up. Might have been a month ago. Maybe maybe it was longer. I mean, and I'll bring it up again because now the season's over, Grant. 
2016 vibes. I mean, it's it's almost like a, a mirror image to 2016. You start one and two. You win out the rest of the way. You win the Big 12. You win a New Year's Six Bowl. And you got your starting quarterback coming back. And, uh, again, I, if you follow me on Twitter, at Lee Benson News 9, you already saw this, but I said the only big difference is that we actually have reason to believe the defense next season can be good. Uh, and I suppose the only other difference that we wouldn't have known back in 2016 at this time uh, it looks like that Oklahoma is also going to have the same exact head coach from one season to the next, because obviously at the end of 2016, uh, Bob Stoops retired and then Lincoln Riley came in for 2017. So pretty nuts how, how it, it really does mirror 2016 quite a bit. Yeah, um, sure. I, it, it is. A, it's a satisfying season. Obviously, uh, you know, whenever you go through hardship, uh, to still come out on the other end, you still win the conference and you're able to beat Florida and, you know, in a New Year's six bowl, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. I, I think this season should be commended, like I said in the opening take. Uh, but let's never do this again. I hated this season. It's my least favorite season of college football probably ever. Um, and, and that's, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm commenting on the, on the situation. I, you know, I just... No, I... I yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I hated the will they or won't they with the COVID testing. I hated no fans being in the stands. Um, it's obviously, it's, it's a whole hell of a lot better than nothing. Uh, but this th- this season sucked, and uh, I, I'm I'm very very much ready to move on to 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't share your your same um, negative feelings towards it. It was uh, in, in a weird way. I kind of th- this season, yeah, it was different. But you know, it was really cool to get a season where we didn't have to wait four or five weeks before the bowl game. I like that. That I was like that we had football almost that every was single awesome. week. That you know, that's I, yeah. Like yeah, I think I, I think there is going to be some good that comes from this season. I, I I really do. Like I said, like I kind of alluded to, in you know in, in the opening take, the bowl system is done. It's completely done. I I mean I think that's pretty clear. Um Hope and yeah right. that that game last night was the final nail in the coffin for me personally. Um and it's it's just done. It's over. Clearly there is a culture amongst the players now. They just don't care. Uh outside of the playoff. Uh, Oklahoma cared, and I very, very much appreciate them for that. Caleb on Twitter says, not the SEC. Uh, I like this one from Seth, at SethWood405. What rebuilding year? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to go back to some of our early episodes to kind of kind of uh, pat ourselves on the back a little bit because, I mean, again, I, at, after one and two, it, it just – I know that Creed Humphrey said this after the game, and granted, you're in the locker room, you're 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 amongst your own teammates and stuff. You you do things to give yourself motivation. He said stuff like, "Ah, you know, nobody thought we could do this. You know, when we started poorly, nobody really believed in us." And I kind of want to be like, uh, "I mean, I did, Creed. Eh. Like, like honestly, like here on West like, of Everest, I, like, we kind of we said that this was probably the most likely scenario after the one and two. I mean, I well." They were just well, but, even in those losses, they were very clearly better than the other than those other teams. Right, and like my thing would be like here, yes, Creed calling me, yes, uh, Lee Benson, uh, West of Everest podcast, News Nine Sports. Um, so I, I actually I believed in you, and uh, to turn the tables around on you, Creed, uh, my thing was, uh, are you guys going to actually take this seriously the rest of the way because you've lost two games? Uh, that's what I was. That was my qualifier, and you did. So I applaud you for that. I applaud you all for taking it seriously. Uh, you as a leader of the team, the defense, Spencer Rattler, Lincoln Riley, and you all did exactly what you, you sh- nah, I, sh- I shouldn't say, sh- no, yeah, I will. You did what you should have done given what you have on this team, the talent, 
what you're going to have coming back when Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson were allowed to play. And then finally, thankfully, Trajan Bridges was able to play. So you guys did exactly what you should have done with the remaining, what, eight games of the year they played? It started one and two, and they finished nine and two. Yeah. So you know what? Uh, West of Everest didn't count you out. We didn't uh, not believe in you. We kind of thought that this was pretty much what was going to happen. Uh, granted, we didn't know, you know, if you'd win the bowl game, but we figured the Big 12 was definitely still within reach. You get there, so uh, want to pat ourselves on the back for that, certainly. Um, not really sure why I started talking about that, but maybe because I just wanted to give myself some my, myself some props. <laughs> um, okay, almost done with these three reviews on Twitter. Uh, Glenn says, at GC Sooner says, 2021 or bust? A lot of pressure on the guys. A lot of pressure on them. Hopefully they embrace it. God, man, I hope they don't hope. have any injuries in the offseason. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, I mean, like, I'm the type of person who, like, who kind of looks for signs and stuff like that. And I know none of this has any real-world application. But I kind of feel like if they were to get through a full offseason with, like, no injuries, no weird crap happening, that's like a sign. You know? Sure. Maybe that they're focused, they're taking it seriously. And I know injuries happen and they're freak stuff. But, man, you, 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 have, to get a, you have to have a lot of luck to win a national title. And, you know, I, um, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a cliche, a stereotype at this point, but that 2000 team, everyone always says not a single starter missed a single game all season long because of an injury. Um, and yeah, stuff like that kind of has to happen. You know, I mean, even, even Alabama has been really lucky in all of their national championship seasons. So, I mean, they don't win it every year. Granted, their best receiver probably has been hurt for like half the year and that's not going to matter for. Okay, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're I mean, like they have a receiver who is probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. I I wouldn't say that. I would say Devontae Smith is their best receiver. He's going to win the Heisman. I mean, I mean, everyone was saying that Waddle was their best guy. And so obviously Smith has stepped up when he's been out. I think Waddle is. I mean, to me, to me, they're kind of just the same guy. They're 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 both like they're both like um, rugs. They're just. They're kind of undersized and they're fast, and we'll see what happens at the next level. Like I, I think I think these guys are like they have a different body type, but I I, I really like Devonte Smith, and I I really like the fact that he's likely going to win the Heisman Trophy because to me it's like Ryan Broyles winning the Heisman Trophy. Devonte Smith he's gonna win the Heisman for real. Yeah, he's the betting favorite, and he he won the AP Player of the really? Year. Really? So yeah, oh, um, huh. I just yeah like. To me, it's like if, if if Ryan Broyles was playing in this season and he had Landry Jones thrown to him and, and he just put up a massive year and he won the Heisman. That's like that's like what Devontae Smith winning is gonna be like. And I, I in, in in such a weird year like this, I'm okay with that. I think that's pretty cool. Sure. Even though I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is clearly the best player in the country. Uh, but he has not had the best season in the country. That I think has been Devontae Smith. I have no, in, uh, I, I have very little interest in the Heisman. Uh, I, I'll just say right now, and I have nothing to, to back this up with. I have no evidence, but I kind of have a feeling that Trevor Lawrence is going to win just as like a career achievement award because, uh, I mean, really a wide receiver? Uh, yeah, I don't, like, has he been that good? Has he really been as good as everyone says he has? I, I'm asking because I haven't watched Alabama play that much, so I I mean, I yeah, know, like, like I said, what a, he's what just a wide like receiver could do. He's like, like I, he's Ryan Broyles. He just gets his yards. He gets open and he gets his yards. All right, I guess we'll see. Um, OU Boom on Twitter says trending directionally correct. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, I like this one from CD's Goat on Twitter. He says tastes like chicken. <laughs> uh, Amy on Twitter says turnover, turnover, turnover. 
And uh, oh, I got another one from from uh, at P two three five seven zero. He says Trask. Correction, trash. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, let's see. We're almost to the end here. Uh, just a guy with uh, Boomer freaking sooner. Um, at widget underscore Brian says Mullen is trash, and then he adds it's because of his post game quote. Um, and uh, the last one we're going to go with here at the very end, it's from at Okla Outlaw Seven made Mullen cry. All right. Well, thank you all so much. And I know I, I didn't get to everyone on three word reviews, so I apologize for that. But this is the most we've had all season long. Uh, not surprising because Oklahoma, you know, played a primetime game on, on national TV and, and won in a very, uh, very impressive fashion. Thanks for all the three-word reviews, and and thanks for everything this year. Um, boy, that again, it's it's so cool to end a Oklahoma football season, Grant. And I know we've talked about this at the very beginning, but it, it's it's worth repeating. Uh, we've we've done this podcast now. This was year four, 17, 18, 19, 20. and every single year before this year, we ended it with a really depressing post game. They just lost in the playoff podcast. And it's nice to go through one where they won, and it's positive going into the offseason. So th- thank you for everyone that uh, left three word reviews and have listened along the way that made this season really fun. Uh, that's, that, that's all. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to add. That uh, I mean, there's going to be a million other things to talk about as we get further and further away from this game. But uh, we obviously wanted to do this podcast as soon as after the game as possible. And, uh, yeah, here we go. So, Grant, any final thoughts? Uh, you know, I just, good season, a really good season. Um, I, I think, you know, we can all, we can all kind of point to the playoff as something that's, that's sort of the goal at the beginning of the year. But, uh, I think, I think this season definitely proved that, um, that those big 12 championships still really are valuable and we should really care about those. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I said that this was a terrible season. It was my least favorite season. I, I'm, I'm kind of talking as, as, you know, as a college football fan, not an OU fan, uh, watching OU play every Saturday is is always my favorite thing in the world, um, and uh, you know obviously I'm going to be really sad you know nine months without it, and uh, I just you know really want to thank everyone who listens to this. We I you know I continue to do this for for the people that listen. Um, you know uh, Lee and I can attest to you know life isn't always the easiest thing in the entire world, um, but we always have OU football. We always have that, and so. Um, I really appreciate all the people who who kind of connect with us on that, and we can share that with them. And uh, just thanks a lot. And we'll uh, we're going to be back in 2021. Hopefully, we're going to be talking about a national championship winning team. Um, and everyone knows how fun this podcast will be if that does you know if that does come to fruition. So uh, dream big, everyone. I mean, we're going to be right here. We're going to be talking about the things that happen in the off season. And uh, hopefully it's a smooth and productive one. And hopefully we can have just a ton of fun come September 4th when they're at Tulane. Uh, I want to be at that game. I really want to go to that game. Um, that, that seems, I, I, I want them to, to go play on the road at mid-majors more. That is awesome. Like, I, that's, that's great. So I, I really want to yeah, be at that they're game. Opening, they're opening the season at Tulane. At Tulane playing on their campus, oh. which is awesome. That's awesome. Like I, I wish they would. I wish they would have like a, 
a, a road game against a G5 team every year. They play in the non-conference. That would be so much fun. I mean, OU likes to go on the road. They're, they're definitely not afraid to go on the road. I was going back through old OU seasons, and you would be better at uh, remembering this compared to me, but they, they, when Landry Jones was the quarterback, they went on the road somewhere, some random school you would never expect. Do you, do you remember who it was? Was it, was it like, no way was it UTEP, was it? Did they go play yes. at UTEP? Yes, it was 2012. <laughs> they went on the road and played UTEP. They, and it was a really ugly game, wasn't it? They only they, beat it. Yeah, by they played like, really poorly. That that two game, three touchdowns. Yeah, that game definitely. Yeah. Uh, that game, that game definitely kind of gave gave evidence that they were going to lose to Kansas State a couple weeks later. Um, yeah, you what? Ma- a, you imagine Alabama going to play it, going on the road and playing like at La Tech? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> ain't, ain't happening. Yeah, that was such uh, a weird thing. Like, I, I don't even remember kind of the the situation surrounding that game. That had to have been. A, a scramble thing where they were scrambling to find something. Um, but you would think in that scenario, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have to go on the road to play UTEP. That was really weird. And obviously the 2017 game when Oklahoma hosted UTEP, that was the return game. I think for, it was. Miners, I'm sure. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> like how five it works. Later? Yeah. Why else, why else would they play UTEP? Uh, I I kind of assumed they played them before that. I know I know really early on in the OU era they they played UTEP and this early Stoops era. But, but I um uh, I know yeah. uh, in 2007 they went on the road and played Tulsa on a Friday night. Um, but other than that, I I can't really think of them going on the road to play a G5 team. But I, that needs to be a thing. It's just it's a lot of fun. So yeah, the there, there's two really fun non-conference games next or uh, next year they, on the road at Tulane, and then the next week they're playing Nebraska at home. Cool. Well, good for you knowing uh, the date of the 2021 kickoff because couldn't have told you. I, I only no saw idea. that. I only saw that because right before we got on this podcast, I saw a tweet by Caleb Kelly saying September 4th, 2021. And I, I, I'm only assuming that's the date of their first game. And he had like a little praying emoji. So I think Caleb Kelly is going to be back for his sixth year in the Crimson and Cream. <laughs> is it six? More like 60th year. <laughs> on the... um. On the uh, yeah. on the Sooner Scoop podcast, I think it was I think it was their post game podcast. But yeah, they were mentioning that it, it's crazy because Caleb Kelly was like the defensive player of the game in that Sugar Bowl in 2016 against Auburn, and they were saying, and it's true that's still his best game as a Sooner. <laughs> Ooh, I should go look up the Pro Football Focus grade for that one. Oh, you should. He, he was better in that game than the, than man, the Georgia he was, game. He was a man possessed in that game. He was really good. Every, that's like that's why everyone was so excited about him because he like he physically dominated in that game. Oh yeah, I I don't remember very many specifics from that, but I do remember Caleb Kelly being really good in that game. Um. Oh, you know what? As as we kind of fill time at the end because we're just gonna kind of say whatever we want. How about uh, this is. A random thing that we'll have time to talk about later but uh did did casey thompson essentially make sam ellinger's decision for him to not come back how much better did casey thompson look than sam ellinger and also caveat i i honestly didn't watch that game very closely but when i looked up at the tv it looked like casey thompson was throwing touchdown passes whenever uh texas was not scoring as as efficiently when ellinger was in there so i'm just assuming casey thompson played pretty well or I could be totally wrong, and maybe it was just a, a product of the game. But did you watch that game at all? Or am I, I uh, did he look good? Or do, I, you, do you even know? I I watched one series of that game, and it was Texas's first series, and they scored fairly easily. And then I turned it off, saying, 
oh God, Colorado is terrible. They're about to get killed. Okay, so you didn't watch it. So I, didn't, I didn't watch it. So I, Ellinger got hurt. I don't even... I don't think... I heard he didn't get hurt. Did he? Oh, maybe he did. I thought he... I was told that... Why else would Casey Thompson that he play? Just, yeah, I mean... Well, that was the night where, uh, you know, Tylen Wallace apparently just played one half for Oklahoma State, and that was the plan all along. I guess so I thought maybe the plan all along was for Dear Sam King to play tore his ACL in that game. That sucks. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, but he had I mean, he had already he had already announced that he was coming back next year for Miami though. Yeah. So yeah. I I mean, and now I mean it's like he's I you got to think he's gonna be he's gonna be ready and just fine for the season. I mean that's that's kind of like a seven or eight month injury now. Yeah. By the way, Caleb Kelly uh, he he didn't grade out very well actually in that uh, Sugar Bowl against Auburn. He uh, only I mean not terrible he was at sixty but uh, I mean. To give you an idea of 2016 versus 2017, Jordan Thomas, that was at 71. He had a good 2016 season, right? Oh yeah, and something happened to him in 2017, man. He just Jordan Thomas was from it. Jordan Thomas was really good in 15 and 16. He was better in 15 than he was in 16. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, the the top graded players in that game were Oboe, Stephen Parker, and Jordan Thomas, and also Ahmad Thomas. I don't remember him much because I was I uh, I got the job at News Nine in in November of 2016 and it had been about three or four years since I'd really followed Oklahoma closely and so uh, kind just of a of my, uh, my previous jobs I was at he's kind of a poor man's DTY hmm. very nice all right that's okay I was just curious if you had any thoughts on Texas but you didn't watch the game much by the way uh, Austin Kendall just threw a touchdown pass in the West Virginia Army Bowl game. So Austin Kendall, back from the dead. Hey, you don't care, do you? No. I, I mean, no. I mean, he was he was almost the starter in 2018. So okay, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So thanks again for everyone listening. Uh, have a very happy new year, and our next podcast will weirdly be in 2021. And uh, stay tuned to the West of Evers Facebook page to figure out when that will be. So uh, until 2021, for Grant. I am Lee, and this is West of Everest.